Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. Uh, I'm here to have fun today. I'm here to uh, speak a word to you today. And uh, I believe that uh, what I have to communicate to you today is going to change you in a way. All right, that all rhymed. I didn't mean for it to, but uh, I want to speak to you on the topic that I feel like is an epidemic in our society, in our culture, especially in our nation, and I feel like is all rampant over the world, and that is discontentment. Um, and, uh, you know, we struggle in our society, in our culture with contentment, do we not? You know, it's, it's we live in um, a, 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 a culture that says, We got to have bigger. We got to have more. We need more. This person looks better. Look how they're operating with their kids, right? And I wish I could be that. I I see stuff on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or you're you're, you're modeling your life after someone else's life, right? And and it's really easy to become discontent with life, right? And, and, um, And so I have a word for you today about discontentment, really contentment, but um, you know, contentment is this. It's a, it's a state of happiness, right? Um, c- contentment is peace. That's what it means. It has several attributes to it, right? Uh, contentment means um, satisfaction, right? Contentment means lack of envy. It means humility. It even means discipline, right? So contentment in its own, um, in its own right means discipline. Like, I, I'm going to be disciplined to run my race. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm going to be disciplined to not model myself trying to stretch and chase after somebody else's dream. It's okay to have inspiration, right? Um, but it's not okay to live somebody else's life chasing after the life. So um, contentment sometimes can just be one of those things that we all struggle with. And, um, you know, it looks like this. True contentment is like this deep-seated sense of, you know, accepting who you are, right? At any given moment, any given time in your life, in your culture, in your family, it's accepting who you are. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the choir here when we're talking about contentment. I, I know that you know what contentment means, and I, I know that you probably do it really well. I struggle with it sometimes. Um, but I do know this, that can, um, contentment has, uh, it, it doesn't care who you are. Discontentment doesn't care who you are. It will always find a way to find you. And um, somebody always has more money. Somebody always has a bigger car. Somebody always has something different, right? Um, it, it's just one of those things. And the reason we all struggle with this idea of accepting who we are at, if, in, at any given moment is that we get so entrenched in our busy lives, do we not, that we don't even notice our surroundings in the moment. And that's crazy because, you know, when we finally come up for air, it's like we focus more on where we were and um, where we want to be instead of where we are right now. 
And, and, and it just that's the thing is that we get stuck in this discontent when we base our contentment on things we can't even control. And I want you to think about that for a minute because the, the idea is that when we're discontent and we don't live in contentment, right? Um, the problem is, is that we are thinking about what others are thinking about us, right? What are they feeling? What do they think, right? How are they going to react? <laughs> like how they're going to react is beyond my control. And it, what happens is, is we end up chasing this, like this mythical ghost, <laughs> right? Of comparison. And when we compare, it's like we're chasing this idea around that's not even real. Because you're, you're beginning to run somebody else's race. Am I making sense to you? And so... The, the idea is, so, so when we rely on people to make us happy, it leads to like this overall discontentment, this dissatisfaction of life. And it's so easy to live this life, right? And so there's always, always somebody with more. You know, when, um, when I was younger, um, I would, uh, I, I, much like probably all of us, try to figure out who we were up through school, Right? You know, we, we tried to figure out. And so, so my, my, my deal was like, I'm always trying to find the in crowd. I tried band one time. That was the worst decision of my life. I couldn't read music. They were trying, my, they were trying to teach me music. I'm like, I, I don't have no idea. I just have no idea. So I, I hated the band people. Like, I just didn't want to hang around them. I know that's tough to say. I, I, um, and so I, I, I tried I tried sports, kind of fit in a little bit there, but then I, I didn't like the workouts. And, and I was like, ah, this is not. I just, I, I'm searching for something that I'm looking for. I, I would try to like join clubs, you know, like, like this. I remember my mom made me join the spelling bee. Y'all, it was, it was a train wreck. <clears throat> I mean, seriously. So I hated those people, and um, I just didn't like, I just, and I always was trying to find something more, right? I was always trying to find a place that I fit in. I was always trying to find this place, and we all do this with our lives. And some of us do it at this stage of our life. And it's not bad, but, but the problem is, is when we're always continuing to look for more, we get stuck in the cycle of looking for more. I like to call it the land of Ur. Not R, like, like a, uh, you know, like a Captain Jack Sparrow or anything, but like the land of Ur, right? Like, like, there's always somebody more richer. There's always somebody more skinnier. There's al- always somebody more smarter or more hipper or 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 prettier or more talented or or their job is better. Er. <laughs> Like we struggle with this idea and whatever you think you've accomplished or, 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 or whatever good that you have done, there's always somebody that has done more than you. And if we, if we get caught chasing this idea, we really struggle with our lives. And so the easiest thing to do for some of us is to hang around people with less than you so we can feel more superior. Right? I know we don't want to talk about that, but sometimes in a weird way it makes us feel better. <laughs> when somebody doesn't have as much as we do, or we can do something better. Er, and for some of you, maybe it's not the er that really gets to you. Maybe you're an est. I want to be the biggest. 
I want to make the most, right? I, I, I want to be the richest, the smartest, the healthiest, the skinniest, <laughs> right? The cutest. And, and really the moral of the story is this, that there is no win in comparison. There is literally no winning. There's no win in comparison. All right. In fact, comparison is what puts the dis in discontentment. Okay. And, and, and the discontentment fueled by comparison, I'm telling you, is, is, is dangerous. It, 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 can, it can hurt you. It can hurt your family. It can hurt your kids. It can hurt your life. It can hurt what God has called you to do. Right. And some of you are working yourself to death. You're studying yourself to death. And you would say, listen, I'm just trying to maximize my potential. And I think that's a good thing. I think we all need to maximize our potential in what God has given us. But unfortunately, when comparison is involved, we end up trying to maximize someone else's potential that doesn't even know that we're competing with them. And we're doing all the work. Right. And we're and we're killing ourselves financially. We're killing ourselves relationally. We're killing ourselves emotionally. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And this whole comparison thing will put you with odds with people you will never be like. And what we tend to do in these situations, and and I don't think this is going away, to be honest with you, and I don't know if we'll ever outgrow it is that we shrink back and create reasons why they're not okay, right? We, like, we find the issue out with the problem in them, right? And the problem is that they're okay, it's just that we're not okay. And so an attribute of shifting that blame is this, is, is that you find yourself not getting along with people that remind you of someone you'll never even be like or even look like. And it becomes an issue in your life. And you hide this because it's embarrassing to get this out. Right? And so, so honestly, I think this is a problem that, that truly we're, that, that will always present itself to us. And, and a challenge that will always be in front of us, right? And so, because I said it earlier, that, that comparison is no respecter of person. It doesn't, it's the same way with sin. Sin, sin doesn't care how much money you have how much you love God, how much you enjoy your family. It, it doesn't care how long you've been married. It, doesn't, it, just, it will seek you out, and comparison is the same way. And the enemy, the Bible says that the enemy roams around like a roaring lion, and so which he is just speaking into your life. And when he can, can speak into your life and get you comparing your life with somebody else's in the wrong way, I'm not talking about inspiration. I'm talking about like, I wish I had more of that. I, I could be a better parent if I could parent like that. I, if I had that type of money, I could live this kind of life. And if you live that life, the enemy, all he wants to do is put a wedge into your, into your life. And if he can do that, I'm telling you, he can begin to separate some ideas in, in, in your walk. And so that's the whole deal, is that comparison is, is, is no respecter of person. Um, and then we all have like this whisper in our minds, right, um, that says this, that you need what they have to be respectable, acceptable, and lovable. You, you, ever, you ever heard the whisper, you know, it's, and often the whisper, it's, it's, it's your voice, right? You need what they have. It's, it's a whisper to be acceptable, to be respected, and to be loved. 
And some of us are walking around striving and toiling and, and, and working towards trying to get this. And it's, it's kind of the moral of the story of this culture, is it not? And let, let me tell you something about that word they right there. Whatever they is for you, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Instagram, whether it's your job, whether it's, whether it's family, whether whatever, whoever, and whatever they is for you, they actually have the same voice whispering the same thing into their ear because no matter what you have or what you've accomplished, there is no win in comparison. It never leads anywhere. It's like a dog chasing its tail to only find out it can't find it. <laughs> Look, in fact, the wisest man who ever lived, his name was Solomon. Um, I mean, he's, he's been there. He's done that. He's lived his life. Uh, the Bible calls him uh, the most richest man and, uh, that has ever walked uh, earth at that point. And even to today's standards, uh, take the Bible out of it. Um, Solomon is recorded in many books that are ancient and still to this day is the richest person um, that has ever walked the planet um, uh, to this day. And so... Um, what I love about Solomon is he, he's about to give us some words here. And uh, Solomon is, is, is in pretty, pretty he, he summarized it like this. Let me just say this in Proverbs. He summarized this. He says, envy rots the bones. That's what he says. Um, envy rots the bones. And so he said, so the moral of the sermon today, right, for me is, is just, I, I would say this, just quit it. Isn't, it, isn't that easy? It's that easy. All right, guys, we'll see you later. Just stop doing it. I wish it was that easy. I, I wish issues and problems were that easy. And, and, and they're not, right? Just stop doing it. <laughs> My mom used to say, would you just quit it? Just quit it. Just quit it. And I wish I could come out here and tell you that this would never affect you again, the comparison issue. But I can't. You know, I, I do, however, want to tell you how to manage this tension because I don't think it's going away but it doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to control you. And, and this is an amazing thought. I don't, I don't want to develop this whole thought right now, but um, our amazing father, right, who has called you according to his purpose, to his purpose, not somebody else's purpose. I mean, like, wow, what if you missed God's purpose for your life because you're trying to keep up with culture that's not even a thing? What if I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize I was supposed to do something else the, my entire life, but I, I was chasing this idea of finances. I was chasing this idea of relationship. I was chasing this idea of what I thought would be great for me and my family. I want to do what God wants me to do, right? And so I, 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 want, to, I want to help out with this today, right? So um, I, uh, there's a couple of things that I want to do, all right? So what I want to do is give you a middle line of defense. And um, when you start drifting towards envy or discontentment um, or some emotional stress, right? I, I want to give you a couple of phrases when you feel like this tug, uh, tug to drift in hopes of keeping you in between the guardrails. Come on, we all need some guardrails in our life. And, and so, so back to the wisest man who ever lived. Remember, um, he, he's the smartest, the wisest, the Bible calls him. His name's Solomon. He's been there. He's done that. And he's at the end of his um, life. He's older now. 
And the reason why he writes Ecclesiastes and the reason why he's writing in Proverbs is because he realizes that nearly 100% of the people will never reach statistically his status. And he's seen some things. And so he now is writing Ecclesiastes, he's writing Proverbs, and he's trying to help people see what they'll never see. And so he's given us all this wisdom and he's given us all these things because remember, he's had it all. And so um, he goes in to say in Ecclesiastes um, chapter four, starting in verse four, he says this, he says, and I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy to another. And so essentially he's saying like, here's what I'm watching. I'm watching people compare their lives, right? Chasing after only envy. Again, I'm not talking about inspiration. He's saying I'm watching so many compete with comparison that everybody is determining where they are based on where everybody else is. And he goes on to say, this too is meaningless. Like you got to stop doing it. And Solomon's saying like, I see it all over. It's rampant in our city. It's rampant in our time. Then he says this, and this will be our phrase. He said, this too is meaningless. And he says, because... It's a chasing after the wind. That's the phrase he uses. A chasing after the wind. Isn't that good? Like, I don't, I don't want to get caught up chasing after the wind because there's no finish line. Like, there's no trophy. There, there's no winner. There's, there's no peace. It's just, err. I'm just wanting more. Right, And what happens is, is that it steals the joy from what we have accomplished because there's always someone else that has accomplished more. And this is a struggle that we struggle with. And here's the practical. When you catch yourself drifting, right? When you catch yourself like there's envy in your heart, like you know, you know when it happens. That's when you say, that's chasing the wind. And I don't chase the wind. This is a phrase that I use often. Because there are moments, I've been pastoring for 21 years in full-time ministry. And there are moments where I have to say, Reeves, you're chasing wind. And then I have to solidify, I don't chase wind. I don't want to chase the wind. I don't want to live this meaningless life chasing after the wind. And so there's always more out there. And I, and I know this, right? That your life is too short and too valuable to waste any of it chasing the wind. So, so the moment those feelings of inadequacy or like you don't measure up, like, you know, you're not good enough, that's when you turn back to your phrase, no, no, I'm not chasing the wind. No, God, you, you made me for your perfect purpose and I'm not going to chase the wind. Even though I don't feel adequate enough to be in the room with certain people, or I I don't feel like I'm adequate enough to be a mom or a dad, or I don't feel adequate enough with my finances. No, 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 no. I'm not chasing the wind. You have more for me. And so now Solomon says, listen, I don't need you to be extra. So he says this in verse 5. He says, but fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. He's saying this, he says, not only I don't want you to go chasing the wind, but I don't need you just to fold your hands and give up because it gets too hard. He says, so so what Solomon does is he brings both of these two worlds together. Since 
um, since, since everybody's better and more talented than me, I, I, I'm just going to give up. No, no, no. Solomon's saying, no, no, don't give up. Don't be a fool and, and, and fold your hands. That's what fools do. Being unproductive is not the answer, right? So he brings these two extremes together and he says, don't go chasing the wind and don't fold your arms and go, well, it's just not for me, right? And then he says in the next verse, he says, better one handful of tranquility than two handfuls that are toiling, right? And chasing after the wind. You know what tranquility means? Tranquility means peace. It means, it, it, it means, um, it means satisfaction. So Solomon is saying, better is one hand of peace and tranquility than two hands toiling and chasing after something that's not going to bring you justice. He's saying, I don't need you to get caught up in it. He said, he, said he recognizes that um, uh, uh, he, uh, Solomon is recognizing more does not mean better. Does that make sense? And we assume that more is better because we're taught that every day, right, in this culture. And, but chasing more always leads to us wanting more. It really does. But here's my point. Less is more when the less you hold is what you're created for. So, so again, better, better one handful of tranquility than grasping and striving and pretending and competing. Better is one handful of peace. No, no, God, I... I want to do all these things. No, no, better is one day. Better is one hand. Better is your peace and your tranquility. And then he goes on to say, he says uh, in verse seven, he says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. What is it, Solomon? Verse eight. He says, uh, there was this man. He's all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And, and, and something you got to know here, because this is, this, people get lost right here. The Bible says that um, there was this man that was all alone, and he had neither son or brother. In, in that culture, women could not inherit anything. This man had no son. He had, um, um, there was no man to leave his inheritance to. And that was a big deal in that culture. Women couldn't take it. It's just, this is how the culture was. And Solomon's saying, I hear see this man toiling and toiling, two hands striving, chasing after the wind, and he has no one to leave it to. And he's, he, goes, he goes on to say, if it, like, you know, it, uh, the, the next part is, is incredible because he, he forgets to ask this question. And if you begin to ask this question in your life, it'll help you be content with that one hand of tranquility. But Solomon said he forgot to ask, who am I toiling for? Like, why am I doing this? Right? So Solomon's seeing this man toil, right? And he, has, he can't leave his inheritance to anybody. And so Solomon backs up and he's like, he forgot to ask the question, why am I doing this? Which is huge. Like, who am I toiling? What am I trying to prove? Who am I trying to prove it to? Whose approval am I competing for? And that's a question that you should ask yourself. Who am I toiling for? 
I think this is a question like we all have to wrestle to the ground. But I don't need you to move too quick past it because I feel like in a lot of our lives, we move past that question too easily. And I'm telling you, if some of you can answer this question, you can move on to freedom pretty quickly in some areas in your life. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, for whom am I toiling for, he asked. He said, why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless and miserable business. Solomon is saying, this man accomplished so much and he has no one to leave it to. And he can't even enjoy what he has. He's so bound up with more stuff and he's chasing the wind that he's lost his joy and he's saying, wait a minute, who am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? I'm not even enjoying the fruit of my labor. It's because he never answered the question, why am I doing this to begin with? Too often we lead our lives chasing somebody else's dream. Paul says you got to run your own race. And perhaps you're in a position in your life where you're not enjoying your life either. And let me tell you what, if you're not enjoying it, other people aren't enjoying your life as well. And I need you to know that there's a half a billion people on this planet that would look at your life and your circumstance and your personality and would consider you lucky. But you don't. And you know why you don't? Because you don't know why you're toiling and you don't know why you're striving. And you don't know what you're doing it for. And the one handful of peace and tranquility is so much than two handfuls of grit and tension and lack of peace. I'm gonna close with this and we wanna bring, I don't know how y'all do music at the end, however that rolls. <clears throat> He says this, he says, this too is meaningless and miserable business. You will never be who you were born to be as long as you're looking over your shoulder, as long as you're looking left to right. Have you ever been uh, on a treadmill? Because I haven't. <laughs> Just kidding. It's really hard to focus on somebody behind you riding the bike as you're running. If you've ever ran in any type of race running, you can't run looking to the right or left the whole time. Why? You'll trip up. There's a reason why you can't drive while looking in the rearview mirror the entire time. You'll wreck the car, right? And then on the opposite time, sometimes we try to drive our life with binoculars. It's great. Our future's great. We want to plan for the future. Those are all great things. That's not bad. But we keep them there too long. And we have no peripheral. And you know, God, God lives his life in the now. And I think it's good to save up wealth and not, you know, money's, money's not bad. But the problem is, is that we look so far ahead or we look so far behind that we forget what he's trying to do right now in your life. Did you know that's the goal for him is now? It's not your house. 
um, three and a half kids, two dogs, and a paid off mortgage. That's wonderful. I want that. I'm halfway there. Except the mortgage part. Still got a big one. Taking up donations. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> those are great. But we either live in those two extremes. So don't chase the wind. And don't look at your past and just, I'll never be good enough. I just, I, I'm not going to start this thing because I'm going to fail. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to move forward because I feel broken and I don't want to be hurt again. I don't want to have conversations, let people into my life because I just don't. And don't live so far out where you're chasing the wind. There is no winning in chasing the wind. And so back to Solomon. Here's what he says in Proverbs 14.30. He says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. You cannot win chasing the wind. That God has given you a race to run, and you have to stay in your lane. Look to other people for inspirations. I, I, I do that all the time. I love to watch... Um, documentaries and listen to podcasts and all the things. Music inspires me. I'm inspired by a lot of different things. Do those, but don't get it caught up in comparison with that. Does that make sense? So look for people for inspiration, not imitation. You know, um, I got a quote from Jordan Peterson, which he's a modern day kind of philosopher. And I think it's so great. He says this in one of his books. He says, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not who someone else is today. Isn't that good? Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. That is called growth. That's growth emotionally. That's growth spiritually. That's growth physically. And please, don't miss the life that God has for you. You'll never experience life fully until you learn to embrace what is right in front of you. I've done this the wrong way so many times, and I've done this the right way. And I wish I've learned it earlier, to be honest with you. So remember, when your emotions start drifting, here's your reminder to say to yourself, I will not chase the wind. I will run my race in my lane. And if you do, you will become the God, you will become the person that God created you to be. Paul, I'm gonna switch gears on you. Paul, a person probably more in our world, wasn't the richest man, really had a hard life. Paul in Philippians 4, verse 13, says the world famous scripture, I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. You ever heard it? I mean, your mom probably has it over the restroom toilet. You know, it's just, we all use it. You can do this, right? You can do this. My mom say, you can do all, you can be the pre next president. I was just like, okay. <laughs> that didn't work out. <clears throat> but she would use that all the time. But I think it's kind of falsely um, told. Because if you back the scripture up, just hear me out. If you back the scripture up, just three, four, five scriptures. 
Paul says, I had plenty. I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to have money. I know what it's like to be shipwrecked. Paul, I need to, Paul has, was beaten worse than Jesus ever was. Paul was spit on. Paul was, I mean, Paul went through it all. He was in prison when he wrote most of the, uh, his writings. And he still wrote from his jail cell at the end of his life. He says, he says this, I've had plenty. I've had nothing, but I've learned how to be content. Learn. We don't, we don't, we're not just born with contentment. It is a learned thing. And Paul says, I have learned how to be content. And the reason I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me is because I can sit in this jail cell and be content with my life and what it means. And so I would say that to you. If you're struggling with discontentment somewhere in your life, it's just a learned thing. You might need to remove some things out of your life for this season. I say this to my kids and say this to our family, and, and even I say this to, to people around me. Not all things are bad in your season, but some things might need to be just removed for a little while. Some of you need to get off Facebook for a little bit. Some of you need to just disconnect for a moment. Some of you need to go on a, on a sabbatical vacation. Some of you need some rest. Some of you need some things in your life that can realign you. You need to learn how to be content. We live in a discontent world where everything is so polar opposite. If you're Republican, you're this. If you're, if you're you know, if you're whatever it is, you're either black or you're white or you're, yes. We're discontent. Paul says it's learned. And the reason I can do all these things is because I've learned how to be content. Amen? Can I pray for you? Will you stand and I'll, let me pray for you and we'll close out service. Father, we honor you. And we're so grateful for life. There's so many times we look at our own lives and feel like we're, maybe we were made incorrectly or we just do things wrong or we just don't feel adequate. And there's so much discontent in our lives. So many times it feels like it just comes up everywhere all the time and there's certain seasons that feel like it's just heavy and certain seasons I feel like I'm doing good but God if I could just take a moment to recognize that you are the one who created me that I can recognize that you have a purpose and a plan and a will for my life that I can recognize that everything that you have done under the sun for me is gracious Father help me to learn to be content I don't want to fold my arms and just give up when it's hard. And I, and I don't want to chase after the wind after somebody else's dream. I don't want to chase after something that's not alive. And I pray for these people. God, that whatever they're hearing and whatever they're feeling, God, that they make a move. As always, we're thankful for the cross and what it means to us. In Jesus' name, amen.